This is the Love That Album Compilation Edition, covering soundtracks, tribute albums, best ofs, box sets, and more. And with that, thus was born what would become Creed and Nickelback and Days of the New and every single lame, middle-of-the-road, dad rock, alternative wannabe band you were ever going to hear. Really. This is Eric Reanimator, and I'm back with another compilation edition, this time to talk about a scene that I just keep coming back to, that... Part of it is my age, part of it is where I was in my life, but me talking about the Seattle grunge scene, which I know is not a favorite of many people, but once you peel back the layers and you look beyond the little bit of Nirvana or Pearl Jam or Soundgarden or Alice in Chains that you've heard, you're going to find that this was a bristling scene with so much to offer, so much that got overlooked and so much that was missed. There was also a scene that was riffing on what came before. They loved Black Sabbath, they loved Black Flag, and they loved Big Black. Which, I wish that was my line, but I stole it from somewhere. Basically, heavy metal, hard rock in the 70s, punk from the 80s, and then late 80s college rock mixed into a stew of Generation X cynicism, angst, and rebellion. That, in fact, is Green River that we just started off with the first of the so-called grunge bands featuring Mark Arm of Mud Honey and Stone Gossard and Jeff Ahmet of Pearl Jam and that's where it started folks. So we're going to be talking about three compilations. The first one is called Deep Six Compilation. It came out in 1986 and it is widely cited as the first of the sub pop slash grunge era although it came out on CZ Records which was another local Seattle label. And then we're going to be talking about a tribute album, another Damn Seattle compilation, a Northwest tribute to the Damned, because you know I love me the Damned. And I think that this compilation has some great examples of what made the Damned so attractive to this scene and also gives you many sounds that came from the Seattle scene. And we're going to end up with what might, in hindsight, be the last great Seattle compilation hype, surviving the Northwest rock explosion, motion picture soundtrack from 1996. So 10 years, I believe, between the Deep Six and the Hype compilation. So after almost two minutes, three minutes of me rambling, we're gonna listen to some tunes. We're gonna listen to some of the Melvins. 
So that right there is malfunction, and we're going to come back to them. They were a uh, early, noisy, kind of punky band that would later morph into Mother Love Bone, which is one of my favorite bands of that scene in that era. Now, I'm going to just read a couple of things from the liner notes to the Deep Six compilation. It starts off, in 1984, Seattle was a little more than an out-of-work logging community. Too big to be called a town, too small to be called a city. It rained a lot, beer was cheap, and most touring bands at the time skipped Seattle as part of their routing. There was scarcely a music scene to speak of, with the exception of the Blackouts, U-Men, and 10-Minute Warning. Many of the bands that did exist were just changing the still-not-dead, still clinging to their still-not-dead new wave roots. Others were championing the Johnny Thunders come Black Flag punk ethic. While it was a fractured scene, trying to find an identity, seemingly looking for a focus, Seattle was a backwater. No one seemed to realize that listening to both the Stooges and Aerosmith was uncool, so everyone did, and without, a, without notice. A new sound began to evolve, fueled equally by the irreverent snottiness of the punk camp and the gloss of the more mainstream hard rock heroes. A new music was, a, a, was being born, and it was distinctly Seattle. So that, really, in a nutshell, is a lot of it. It's They didn't know you weren't supposed to listen to these two bands together or at the same time. You know, it was, we just need something to do on a Saturday night because there ain't nothing going on here. And you got to remember, this was really before Seattle was the tech city and the coffee city and the, you know, before the, the Northwest became a thing, before Portland became, you know, Portlandia. This was, you know, kids... Gen X kids in suburban and, you know, sometimes urban and sometimes rural, you know, America in the middle of nowhere looking for something to do and to make their noise of the world. And that's what this sound evolved out of. Now, if you want to talk Seattle music history, you got to talk about Hendrix, which I'm sure everyone knows about. But you also need to talk about the, the Sonics and the Whalers, two of the great garage bands of the 1960s. They were the kids of hard-working aircraft factory employees who had enough money to buy guitars, cars, amps, all that great stuff, to have leisure time to write snotty punk songs and to, you know, uh, have the energy to do these things. But they were also blue-collar kids, so they weren't necessarily taking fancy music lessons. They weren't learning, the, you know, the classical music charts or anything. They were messing around with blues and, uh, you know, a Vox amp and, you know, just making their own scream at the world. And someday we're going to have to talk about the Whalers and the Sonics on this show. But for now, this, this, it's important to know that they were the roots in so many ways of this scene. So the Deep Six compilation was largely considered to be the first document of the scene with the bands Green River, the Melvins, Malfunction, Skin Yard, Soundgarden, and the U-Men. Now, you all know Soundgarden. That's what I've been playing underneath my little uh, soliloquy here. You know, I talked about Green River. and Melvins, you may or may not have heard of. They were a band that was heavily influential with Nirvana. Malfunction, as I mentioned, became Little Love Bone. Skin Yard actually featured Jack and Dino, who was kind of the producer behind so many of those sub-pop records. And the U-Men were an interesting band. They were kind of the, you know, that gap band between the 70s punk era and what would become grunge. They have what I consider to be my second favorite track on this whole compilation. I'm gonna listen to a little bit of it and we'll come back and uh, move on to our next compilation.
that is the Seattle band Coffin Break covering The Dam's love song from the 1991 Another Dam Seattle compilation. This is a Northwest tribute to The Damned. The Damned of course being the UK punk band that was peers with Sex Pistols and The Clash still going to this day. They've put out records in the last decade or two that are not as great as maybe their 70s records but are still nothing to be embarrassed about. I am unashamed in my love of the damned. I, I, there's something about that group. They, they understood the garage rock, they understood the humor, they understood the legacy that built punk. They came from the pub rock scene just like, I guess, The Clash did as well. However, the, to me, they evolved and grew and they wrote poppy songs, they wrote punky songs, they wrote garagey songs. Today they are still relevant. If you are on Facebook, I urge you to follow their guitar player, Captain Sensible. He doesn't post a lot, but when he does post, it's always worth checking out. You know, once every two weeks or so, he'll have some fun, quippy, interesting thing. At any rate, another damn Seattle compilation. Released in 1991. I'm assuming it was released early enough in the year that it was before Nirvana hit. Which, let's be clear about this, Nirvana started gaining momentum in October of 1991 along with Pearl Jam. Soundgarden and Alice started to make inroads in the music scene. But this whole Seattle thing was really starting to edge its way onto MTV and the mainstream consciousness of America starting in the fall of 1991. Christmas of 1991 is where everybody got their copies of those those albums. They bought their copy of Bad Mode of Finger and Nevermind and Ken and uh, Facelift. Of course, I remember vividly because I was in college and I always tell the story that went to my college orientation and the guys across the hall from me spent the whole night blaring this awful hair metal ballad over and over. Six months later it was all in spirit. Anyways, The Damned have always been an influential band. They are one of those groups that was inspired by what they saw around them and then in turn have inspired others. They were the first of the UK punk bands to release an album. They were the first to America. I believe they were the first to break up and reform and their catalog is something well worth checking out. And so it's no surprise that these Seattle bands picked up on them and embraced them as their own. These Seattle bands seem to be playing in the same sandbox, you know, I've heard the same kind of records, the same kind of influence. They understood, or at least could, comprehend the energy that held the band. Now, the, uh, probably the test of any good compilation is, especially tribute compilation, is do the songs stand on their own? And in this case, I think they do. So I'm going to focus on the more poppy bands on this compilation. Bands like Fresh Young Fellows and the Posies. You know, maybe I'll play a little bit of uh, Mud Honey. But I want to I show that 
you know, this grunge scene was more than just people playing this heavy sludge music, so let's check it out. So there's the Mud Honey track, them covering the dams, Stab Your Back. You know, as you can hear, there was definitely that punky sound. But you know, some of the other stuff that I played, like um, Whitey's Wait for the Blackout or Fop's Disco Man, you can definitely hear the poppiness and you can hear that it's not just quote unquote heavy metal or punk or grunge. So obviously I think this is a good compilation and I believe it came out at a time when the scene was not blowing up. It's not a mad cash-in. This was before the era of the uh, tribute albums really hit in the 90s. I think there's a lot of great tracks in here. Even if you don't discover uh, some great bands, you're going to discover some great songs from the Dan. So we're going to take off now with... Uh, the Posies covering what might be the band's best known track. This is their should have been a major hit. Uh, luckily they got paid from the Batman soundtrack when the Offspring covered it. This is the Posies with Smash It Up. And I'll be back to talk about hype. Smash it up, smash it up. 
And that is the Fastbacks with a live version of their song K Street off of the soundtrack to Hype, Surviving the Northwest Rock Explosion, the motion picture soundtrack. Now, Hype was a documentary that came about as the grunge era was actually waning. Well, it was filmed during, I guess you would say, the tail end of the heyday. After Nirvana blew up, you know, filmmakers and bands and everyone else rushed up to the Pacific Northwest for the gold rush, and the guys who put together this film showed up and started documenting what they saw, and they didn't get a lot of access necessarily to the major bands, but as is often the case, the story they found was more interesting than what we all know about Nirvana or Alice in Chains or Soundgarden. And as you might expect, some of those major names aren't going to show up on this soundtrack, and they don't show up, uh, well, I guess let me take a look. Pearl Jam's here with a live thing from the radio, and Soundgarden's here, and Nirvana's here with an early track. But other than that, it is mainly the stuff that you didn't hear, the stuff that got overlooked, and a lot of what Hype talks about is this whole scene that is lost in the shuffle of the intense focus on those four bands and what was going on with them. You know, let's let's pull back the curtain a little bit and, and reveal that the first Seattle band to be a major hit in the United States back in 1991 was not Nirvana. It was not Pearl Jam. It was not Soundgarden or Alice in Chains. It was a metal band called Queensryche, who I used to be a major fan of, who I, I still enjoy, but I, I kind of have grown past that that era of my life when uh, listening to that style of progressive bombastic metal is something I want to do all the time. But they hit it big with a ballad and kind of a very Pink Floyd, muscular, uh, you know, Iron Maiden sounding operatic pop metal that, you know, okay, truth be told, in my opinion, it's, I've always believed that bands, and I'm always talking about King's X, they were the ones that brought the drop detuning to Seattle. Driving to Crime was this band out of Atlanta, Georgia that, were they a college rock band or were they a heavy metal band? Mm, they thought they were a college rock band, but they kind of fell on the heavy metal side. And then Queensryche, which was considered to be the thinking man's heavy metal, with this kind of glossy, muscular, operatic sound, but at the same time, you know, they definitely had a little more smarts and a little more social awareness than, say, Poison or Motley Crue. Anyway, we get to hype. And we get to 1996, when this is D-Day, really, for this first wave of alternative music. This is the record companies have decided they don't need any more loose cannon drug addicts. We can just manufacture pop. This is the U.S. government has sold out the radio airwaves to a major corporation. And no longer are you going to have competing rock and roll stations in any market that's going to be trying out new bands to compete with each other. You know, this is, this is the end of Generation X as a musical force. Sure, bands are still out there. Sure, people are still making music. But, you know, rock and roll goes underground. All, you know, if you go back and you look at some of the stuff I've talked about in the past, uh, the Fistful of Rock and Roll compilations, there's no reason that some of those bands shouldn't have had big hits, at least one-hit wonders. But the corporations and the boomers had conspired uh, either consciously or subconsciously to lock these people out of the music industry. They had kept Generation X from positions of power and decision making in the record companies, you know, therefore getting them caught with their pants down via the, you know, what was going to happen with the internet. 
and I could go on and on. So that's not really germane necessarily. Well, I guess it is. But anyway, Hype, the motion picture soundtrack featuring a lot of bands I've talked about and some I haven't. And uh, I'm going to take a breath and play you something by a great band from the Northwest called Dead Moon. Check this out. We just heard some Seven Year Bitch followed by The Gits. For those of you that do not know, uh, The Gits singer Mia Zapata was actually murdered by a serial killer who was caught years and years later. It has become a focal point for the scene or what's left of that scene. And her murder was a wake-up call for many members of the Seattle community. It was actually a benefit record that was called Safe at Home to raise money for women's shelters. However, the reason I'm playing those two songs is because I do want to point out that there were women involved in the scene. If you go back to the first track from this compilation, Fastbacks is a female-fronted band. You know, when we think about Seattle and you think about those big four bands, you don't think of women being involved. However, it you know, should be pointed out that Soundgarden and I believe Alice in Chains were both managed by a woman. So there were a lot of women behind the scenes that were participating, whether it was working at the labels, whether it was 
was uh, doing reporting, whether it was managing and managing bands. You know, they, they were an important part of the scene, so this wasn't just a boys club. So Hype is among the handful of documentaries about Seattle bands and the Seattle scene that I highly recommend if you would like to get a better picture of what was going on there in the late 80s, early 90s. Other great documentaries that I would check out include the Pearl Jam 20. Even if you don't like their music, there, there is something in that documentary that's, that's, uh, that's truthful about you know, what ha was happening in music at the time that that band formed. Also, uh, the other one that's kind of the companion piece is Malfunction, the Andrew Wood story. And earlier I promised we'd get back to Malfunction, and we will at the end here. But that's the story of the late Andrew Wood, who was the lead singer of Mother Love Bone and his demise, and how he literally missed the explosion and he would have been a star. There's also a documentary about uh, Mia Zapata from The Gits that's well worth seeing. It's heartbreaking, but it also it's a great insight into not only her as an artist, but the time and the place and the role of women in that whole scene. So, uh, you, know, you know, go ahead and wrap this up. Um, sorry if my voice has been a little rough or I've been sniffling and got a head cold. Anyways, hope you enjoyed this. And right now, I'm going to go back to the Deep Six compilation and I'm going to leave with what might be my favorite of the Malfunction tracks. You know, obviously, uh, you heard the one earlier, they're kind of recorded roughly and limitedly, but I think there's something about what Andrew Wood is saying in this that rings true for this whole scene and, and what they stood for and what it meant to them. And that's a little song called With Your Heart, Not Your Hands. It's been Eric Reanimator, and I will catch you all next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.